Kim Braswell has pretty much lived his life against all odds. The fact that he was five feet, seven inches, 165 pounds, and wanted to be a football player was just one issue. He also wanted to be a baseball player. He had the same stature for that sport too. But against all odds, he was a three-year college football letterman and a four-year letterman in baseball. Against all odds, he played for the greatest institution in the land, the University of Georgia. And yes, I know I'm biased. I know the football part very well. When I was a freshman at that same institution, he was our left-footed last of the straight-toe place kickers. In fact, he kicked the winning field goal that year with 37 seconds left on the clock against our arch rivals, the University of Florida, to give us a 10-7 victory. I was among the throngs of crazy and loud fans screaming and cheering for him that day. Florida lost the game. We lost our voice cheering for Kim Braswell and our Georgia dogs that day. Not so funny thing, when he was a kid, his friends spent most of their time laughing at him. He cried himself to sleep many nights, but he had to hide that from his dad because his dad did not want him to feel sorry for himself. The truth is, Kim Braswell could not hear any of the fans that day in Jacksonville. He was deaf. I had no idea about his deafness until I recently read his newly released book, Kicking Adversity Aside, The Kim Braswell Story. You can find it on Amazon. A short but must read. I would also discover in reading his book that he was diabetic. Deafness, diabetes, and size extra small in the football world. But none of that stopped him from accomplishing great things at UGA or even greater things in life. His coach and mentor, Vince Dooley, had it right when he wrote he made up for his limitations with a marvelous attitude and a big heart. I think we could all use a dose of those meds. Kim Braswell turned out to be a football coach, a deaf football coach, but a great football coach. The kids he influenced are in the tens of thousands. When Kim began looking for head coaching jobs, the winning schools were not hiring. Who wanted a deaf and sick football coach? But thanks to the strong endorsement of Coach Dooley and Coach Irk Russell, schools did hire him. But the schools were not winning football programs. Who better to turn an almost hapless football program over to than a young man who had been overcoming obstacles and odds his entire life? Taking an 0-30 team and turning around would be right up Kim Braswell's alley. And he did that. At that school, they had a parade to celebrate their first win. Kim thought it might get really rowdy if they would win another game. Inch by inch, game by game, year by year, they became a winning program. Against all odds. Kim Braswell's story is more than inspiring. After listening to this, you may just look at someone with a disability in a different and much better light. You also may just forget about the little pains and bothers you're dealing with and take advantage of all the good stuff going on in your life. You just may not have it as bad as you think. By the way, this interview was done over the telephone 
with a man who has zero hearing but is an excellent lip reader. How did we do it? His daughter Kristen sat in the room with her dad, listened to my questions, and repeated the questions to him so he could read her lips. When you listen, it will sound like two old guys just having a regular conversation, but it was a little more complicated than that. But thanks to Kristen and a lot of editing, we pulled it off. But even more thanks to Kim Braswell, who continues to inspire many, even at the age of 72. Viewing life from a hearse, it could be worse. Laugh, think, and cry with the country undertaker. This is Bruce Goddard, and you're listening to the View from a Hearse podcast. I have a Georgia Bulldog as a guest today. His name is Kim Braswell. Kim was the kicker at the University of Georgia. Uh, when I went there in the fall of 1972, he was famous in my eyes, and he was famous in a lot of people's eyes. He was the last of the straight-on kickers. Kim, thank you for being on. You're welcome. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I've got great kids, great grandkids and everything. Well, I appreciate you being on. I got a lot of questions, and we're going to get into them, but uh, this, this will be much fun, and it will be inspiring. Thank you, sir. Kim, I got to ask you, what was it like, forgetting everything else, to kick for the University of Georgia with all those fans, and what has that meant to you in your life? Kicking at University of Georgia has been has been a, a real pleasure. It's uh, especially playing for Coach Dooley and Coach Russell. Kicking with uh, a, a eleven and one team, and Georgia was really good in those days. And you know, kicking at kicking at Avondale High School, uh, one of the best high schools in the in the high schools in the country, really. It one of the uh, uh, had a lot to do with my success at Georgia. We scored so many touchdowns, and he was able to kick 134 extra points. I just happened to kick 134 out of 134, which <laughs> got got me the UGA to start with. I went to Clarkston before I went there, and uh, we didn't we didn't they didn't score but 64 touchdowns in my four years. So my, that move to Avondale was a big difference. And that helped me at Georgia a lot because we didn't, we sure didn't kick that many extra points. We had a had a chance to kick a few. Uh, you know, back in those days, you wasn't scoring 50 points a game; you were scoring 14 to 13 right. and stuff like that. Absolutely, that is correct. I was there. Yeah, which is a lot different the way it is nowadays. Yeah. What has that meant to your life, Kim? The fact that you're a Georgia kicker, I know, gets people's attention. How has that helped you in life? Just what has it meant to you in your life? It's really helped me in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, uh, being a being a deaf being a deaf guy and wanting to be a coach. Most of the superintendents and principals uh, just uh, wasn't sure about that that I'd be able to hear well enough to do what they wanted me to do, but. Uh, for my for my references, when I gave them Coach Dooley and Coach uh, Russell, when I talked to them, they they forgot what I they forgot about me. And 
Yeah, they didn't care that you couldn't hear, right? Yeah. I had to get back with the superintendent after I talked to him and say, uh, well, is that, a, is that a chance for me to be there? And he said, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, you, you, you got the job now. <laughs> so oh, it wow. was, uh, that's what got me into coaching more than anything. And, and he, even though I couldn't hear and had diabetes and everything else wrong with me, I, had a, I got my chance to do it. And, you know, playing for Coach Ramsey – at Avondale and playing for Dooley at Georgia, I learned a lot of football. Yep. And uh, also, uh, Billy Henderson got the Clark Central job when I, the year I graduated from Georgia, and I went with him. And so I was able to be with a lot of good coaches, so it helped me in my own coaching career. But uh, anyway, uh, Coach Dooley and Coach Russell what got me in from being, being a deaf guy. They wasn't worried about my hearing. The reason they got you in was because they saw what you were able to do, although you couldn't hear, and how you related to people and how you inspired people. They knew that your lack of hearing, you had a lot that would, would overcome any of that. That is for sure. Kim, just so you know, I'm a UGA graduate. Uh, I'm a little younger than you. I graduated in 76, but I – I'm a huge Georgia fan. I, you were the kicker of my freshman year. When my son Luke told me when he first met Ryan and he asked me, did I remember Kim Braswell? I said, heck yeah, I remember Kim Braswell. I was screaming in the top of my lungs. He was a part of the Georgia football team. But I had no idea you were deaf. I, I, that never crossed my mind. I surely didn't know about the diabetes. We're going to talk about all that. But I can't even imagine overcoming that to play sports at that level. Talk about how you managed uh, being deaf and, and playing football. Maybe you were not completely deaf when you were in college and then it got worse, but I know you were very close to being deaf. You, could, you were having to read lips. So talk through a little bit how you managed that. Well, it was probably the playing, uh, playing at Georgia with being deaf, uh, being a kicker, that's probably the best thing I could do is I didn't hear. We had 80,000 people, and I couldn't hear 80,000 people, so it didn't really matter. The coach Dooley always told me when I got ready to kick, he said, turn your hearing aid off and, and go, let's go. That was advantages so, there, right? Yeah. Wow. Wow. It was, uh, it was big advantages, you know, he, he if a kicker listened to 70, 80,000 people, he, he's not going to, he's going to forget about what he's going in for. <laughs> but you know, I couldn't, I couldn't hear him anyway. So it worked out good for me. Uh, that is absolutely amazing. So I want to go on because I know you, you were more than a football player. You were an athlete and you played football and baseball and you were recruited to play both. So talk about playing two sports and even in high school and you you played at georgia you played baseball at georgia along with football so how did being deaf play into playing baseball well thing thing good about baseball you don't have to hear anybody anyway and so when i was pitching uh i couldn't hear the crowd i think sometimes i might have heard some balls coming off the bat but while i was pitching but it was uh it it wasn't any when you can't hear you can't hear and baseball, you throw the plate, you don't uh, you don't listen to the crowd. Unbelievable. So you mentioned Coach Dooley, and of course everybody knows Coach Dooley. He died what a year or two ago. Talk more about what you learned from him, and what was it like playing for him? He he seemed like I know he's a great coach, 
but he was also a great human being. And just talk about Coach Dooley. Playing with Coach Dooley is one of the best things I could have ever done. Uh, he was strict enough to that you understood what he wanted you to do, and you did it. But he was he was also like a second father. You know, when we uh, when I got to Georgia, uh, leaving home for the first time, Coach Dooley was one of the best. He was one of the best second daddies I ever could have ever been around. Uh, so, yes, he and Coach Coach Russell both. Uh, well, just a pleasure to play for and a pleasure to have a second second father. And you actually kept a relationship with both of them until both of them died. Of course, Coach Russell died years ago, but, but you continued to be friends and keep a close relationship with both of them, right? I sure did. Uh, in fact, I uh, went to the Coach Dooley's funeral and uh, – you know, trying to write the book that I wrote, uh, I spent a couple of days at his house with him, and we just sat down. He told me what, what he thought would be good for the book, and uh, he was my forward, and uh, he was he's going to really be missed by this man right here. Oh, I can only imagine. And speaking of your book, I'm holding it in my hand. I've read it. The name of it is Kicking Adversity Aside – the Coach Kim Braswell story, it is so inspirational, so motivating. If anybody has a handicap, it is inspiring. It, it changes the way you think about people with handicaps. But what an inspiring book. Kim, what was your most memorable football game at UGA? Which one do you remember the most? Well, I think the, I think the game I remember is two games that I remember the most. The first game was my sophomore year of my first game as a as a varsity player at Georgia. We play in uh, Tulane in New Orleans and uh, a fight broke out. You know, I, <laughs> I hadn't been just a kicker before. I'd been a player in it, so I had that fire up uh, inside of me. And the fight broke out in Tulane side of the field and, and I took off running over there like I was going to get in the fight with them. And, <laughs> I got over there and got the food beat out of him, but uh, Coach, Coach Russell, Coach Russell tried to stop everybody, but I'd already gone by him. And uh, I got over there and got, I had to, I got, they just beat the food out of me, and I jumped over the fence and ran across the field and uh, got out of the way. And the next morning, uh, after we got back from New Orleans, Coach Dooley said, "You're going to meet me in my office and." Uh, uh, for the Vince Dooley show, uh, you're going with me, and you're going to explain to everybody what you, what you were trying to do. And that that was the most embarrassing thing I've ever been through, but it took care of my problem. And from from that on, I was a kicker, and I, I didn't worry about hitting anybody anymore. I bet. The other big game was the Florida game. My my uh, junior year with. It was seven to seven and 37 seconds left on the clock. And you know, when you're playing down in Florida, uh, those fans want to beat Florida more than anybody. And Florida and Georgia, they don't get along very good. (laughs) For sure. uh, But anyway, Coach Dooley said, uh, take your hearing aid off and get ready to go. We got to, we got to win this game. And we were on the, uh, we were on the, 37 yard line and uh coach dooley said all right let's he said you ready i said yes sir 
So I ran in, and we only had nine men on the field. So he had to call timeout. <laughs> well, that didn't that didn't make for me because you know I wanted to get it over with, and we had to call timeout. Then uh, after that timeout, we got I got ready to kick, and CBS called timeout. <laughs> well, I had to wait again. Then after CBS, they came back on. Uh, Florida called timeout. And I said, my gosh, I, I want to get this over with. I want to kick the damn football. They were icing the kicker, right? <laughs> yeah, and then uh, after I kicked it, it went through. Uh, all the players on the sideline went over there and piled up on me, and I couldn't breathe. <laughs> and I was on the bottom of the pile, and I, said, oh, I, I didn't know how to get out. I didn't know what to do, and I thought I was going to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I and I still I still think about those I still think about that nowadays. Sometimes I'll be in my bed with, at 72 years old and I I start screaming because I want to get get them off of me. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that was those my two memories. Oh my! You just won the game and you thought they were going to kill you in the process. Let's go back because I want to talk about your parents and them finding out you couldn't hear. And, and your siblings, nobody let you feel sorry for yourself. They, they didn't let you feel sorry for yourself. Talk about that. Talk about how your parents handled the fact that you had a hearing impairment. That goes way back to elementary school. When I was five or six years old, my mom and dad would, would be talking to me, and I, I, would, I, I didn't really hear them, but they didn't know I had, had a hearing problem. And... uh they found out I had a hearing problem in first grade when they had to give me a hearing test and found out I had 80% loss. And that's when they really felt bad about it. But my parents uh, didn't feel sorry for me at all. They, If, if I cried in the first grade because uh, the, they were laughing at me, the other people, were, kids were laughing at me and got got all the way up to the third grade and they, they, they kept laughing at me and making fun of me. And I'd go home and cry and my dad whipped me with a belt for crying. So I knew I couldn't go home and cry. So wow. what was I supposed to do? Wow. Then when I got to the fourth grade, uh, we started our gray wire football program. And uh, we had tryouts and all. I ended up moving me to quarterback. That's when, uh, when I started playing quarterback, that's when some of the other people that were laughing at me were were listening to me. Right. The people that were laughing changed their mind. And they also, the people that were laughing were not laughing when you were starring for the University of Georgia. I can tell you that's a, that's a, that's a lesson in that for sure. You know, uh, I, was very, I, was very, uh, I was very motivated uh, when I got to Georgia because I'd been laughed at for so many years. Thank goodness technology is much better now. But as a kid, you were wearing this large hearing aid held in place by a woman's bra. I can't even imagine. When I first put that bra on and I started crying, I said, I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to school with a bra on. And uh, all the kids when I got this my my roommate my teammates and 
uh, classmates in, in the first grade and fifth grade, and they uh, they said, "What what are you wearing a bra for?" <laughs> and you, you know, what was I supposed to say? Right. And anyway, that was the most that was the most embarrassing time I all the way up to the day that I've ever been through. Well, you you've been through a lot, and you think about the fact that other people go through the same. I mean, they've got kids can be ruthless and, and laughing at somebody that is going through that is uh, almost sickening to hear, to be honest. But I know it, it, it motivated you. And then on top of that, Kim, you woke up in the hospital one morning after swimming. You Last thing you remember, you were swimming, and all of a sudden you found out you were diabetic and and that was another day that forever changed your life. I know we mentioned it, but talk about the day you found that out. On top of your hearing, now you were going to be insulin dependent for the rest of your life. Yeah, I was in the eighth grade and fixing to go. We lived down at Pine Lake, Georgia, and we had a beach and a lake right down the state from where I lived. And I went down. I went down there, and uh, I, w- I really was feeling. I was feeling uh, weird. I remember. I remember even today how how weird I felt uh, going to going down to the beach, and, and instead of going into the pool, I, I laid down on my uh, I laid down on my towel on the beach, and uh, when I woke up, I was in the hospital. So I passed out down there, and that's when they found out I had diabetes. And that forever changed. Folks, we're talking to Kim Braswell, former kicker for the University of Georgia, over, has overcome more adversity than most people can even imagine. Talking to him is absolutely incredible. You won't hear it, but his daughter is helping to communicate with him. She's sitting with him. His daughter, Kristen, is sitting with him and relaying my questions. What an Absolutely amazing conversation. Kim, your parents taught you how to be disciplined in life. And as we mentioned, they cut you no slack. Talk about how that was a key in overcoming your adversity and the obstacles you faced. They, they didn't let me get down on anything. It kept me up all, all my life. And even up to today, you know, a lot of stupid and weird things happen. And uh, they, they don't bother me like they normally would. Uh, you know, nowadays I've uh, I've got diabetes, and they got all different kind of uh, going different kind of medicines and everything you have to go through. Uh, even up to the day, that hadn't bothered me at all. <clears throat> so I think uh, I think what I went through in life uh, with my mom and dad is is uh, just corrected everything I've done all my life. So. There's a lesson here for people that have kids going through adversity. They they didn't cut you any slack, and you're better for it. Uh, the other interesting thing is I thought it was very interesting in your book. Your dad taught you how to 
to kick, although he had never been a kicker. And uh, talk about the influence of him and your mom in your life and in that. And and you talk about the mid midway mighty mites in, I guess, midget league football, and your dad was all over that. So talk about becoming a kicker. When I was a little boy, I was uh... – I was kicking them. If I saw a can, I I just kicked that can. If I saw a rock over there, I'd kick that rock. If I was going to the grocery store and I saw something on the side of the road, I just kicked it. Uh, and my dad noticed I was kicking everything that is in sight. <laughs> and that's really that's really when I got my style of kicking. You know, as a coach, trying to teach a kid how to kick. If you get ten kickers. All 10 of them kick a different way. And I was kicking rock a certain way, and I was kicking. And then he bought me a football. He never played. He was a tennis player. But as a tennis player, you know, you keep your eye on the ball. You do the same things you do as a kicker. And I was uh, just keep, keeping your eye on the ball. That's the main thing. So then he, he bought me a... When I was when I was seven years old, he bought me a tee with a football. So I, instead of kicking rocks, I started kicking a football. And he said uh, he put the ball on the tee and he said, "Kick it to me." And I'd have to kick it to him in his hands. If I kicked it over, if I kicked it to the left or the right of him, he would get mad at me. <laughs> so it ended up that I was kicking ten balls. I had to kick them to his, to his hands and not to his left or to his right. So that got me an accuracy. Then he then he put me when I got to eight years old. He put me kicking the ball to hit a telephone pole. Gracious. And uh, if I missed the telephone pole, he'd get mad at me. He said, "What are you doing? You're supposed to hit the telephone pole. I want that ball to hit the telephone pole." Gracious. Then they he went from there to kicking the ball the the uh, the electrical wires above the telephone pole. He said, "Okay, now you hit the telephone pole, but I want you to kick it high enough to get it over the get it over the wires." So that's when I started kicking, and uh, wow, that, that's how I learned to kick from a tennis player. What a story! What a story! So you you already mentioned Avondale. I, many stars came out of that football program, and you had a great coach there who turned out to be a Hall of Fame coach, Calvin Ramsey. Talk about the influence he had in your life and the lessons you learned from Coach Ramsey. Greatest things I learned from Calvin Ramsey is you better do what he tells you to do. <laughs> you, That's a pretty good you lesson. Don't do what he tells you to do. But you know what I want to tell you is uh, I had a. I had a uh, had candy bars in a in the Batterson kit on the sideline, and uh, if I got that, my diabetes, I started getting weak. I go and get me a candy bar. Well, <laughs> the uh, the rest of the team knew those candy bars were there, and they started eating all my candy bars. <laughs> and I didn't have anything to eat. And I got weak one day, and they had already eaten all my candy bars. Oh, and that's when Coach that's when Coach Ramsey really got mad. And, <laughs> We had everybody running the stadium for Bob and Kim's uh, candy bars. Oh wow! I know he was a great influence in your in your life, Kim. I also remember reading that you actually you're talking about your dad teaching you how to kick. You set a record for most consecutive extra points. You mentioned it that held for over forty years, over four decades, 
And then when the guy broke your record, you went to visit him and congratulate him. Talk about that. Wow, that says a lot about you. Well, you know, I was uh, I was on my way to the to the Florida game, Florida Georgia game. We were gonna play golf down there, and I had read in the paper where I was staying. I read in the paper that uh, a boy from Colquitt County, or the kicker from Colquitt County, had broke my record against one of the teams. They wanted me to watch him play that night, but I I, I was going to the Florida games, but. Anyway, I stopped by and stayed in a hotel in uh, Calcutt County. And uh, the next morning, I, moved, I went and met the, uh, met the kicker. And they were surprised to see me there. But, I bet. Uh, I bet. I wanted to, I wanted to th- uh, congratulate him on uh, what he did. And, uh, and uh, it was, uh, Coach wanted to get all the players together with him in the gym. So I could talk to him, and I told every one of them, I said, now, hey, let me tell you about this kicker. <laughs> Number one, the center's got to be able to snap the ball to the tee 180 times. The lineman has to block 180 times. Kicker has to kick 180 times. So don't give me all the credit. Let's give everybody on this football team wow. in Conquer County, let's give them all a big hand and not just the kicker. Wow. And, uh. That coach, I, I think that coach wanted to hire me or something. Oh, I imagine. I, can you imagine what it meant to the kid to have you come down 40 years later and make a uh, point to congratulate him? You th- just think about what that meant to him, a UGA kicker coming down and, and congratulating him. I can't even imagine what that meant for him, much less the rest of the team. It was, uh, it was what I wanted to do. I was very proud of him. It wasn't uh, – it wasn't like, uh, oh, he broke my record. It was, it, I wanted to congratulate him and shake his hand and get to know him and tell him, tell him I hope the Georgia Bulldogs hire him uh, <laughs> to stick to them. And we uh, we got to be friends. And uh, I, I can't tell you everything he said because I didn't really hear what he said. Wow, that's amazing. You know, talking about reading lips, that was very interesting. In your book, you, you learn how to lip read early on and – and you talk about your brother. I think it was Gary was your brother. You say he was better than you, and, and, and the coach would put him in the game just so he could read the lips of the opposing coaches and know what play they were calling. Talk about your lip reading. As far as Gary reading the other coaches' lips in the huddle, it, he did a good job of that. Uh, that, was before, that was before everybody. If you watch a professional game, a college game on TV right, uh, nowadays, uh, all the coaches on the sidelines, you have their, they have their list of plays and on their mouth, uh, so they, they know these lip readers not gonna read their lips anymore. So I think we started it off on that a long time ago. <laughs> uh, coaches, coaches nowadays can't put, can't put lip readers on. You, you don't just teach a kid how to read lips so he can play football. <laughs> that is awesome. So. I want to talk about your coaching. Uh, you've had a great career on your own being a coach, and I want to talk about it. i got some really questions. Folks, we're listening to Kim Braswell, former kicker for the University of Georgia, longtime high school football coach, great human being, pours himself into kids all of his life.
One of the quotes you say in your book, Kim, that I never heard Coach Bear Bryant, it was one of his quotes, I'd never heard it before, but he said, or, or maybe somebody said about him, he could take his own and beat urine and then take urine and beat his own. And talk about the importance of coaches in making teams successful. As a coach, you've been one a long time, so I know you know the importance. You know, you can you, you can give me all, you give me eleven all Americans to put on the field. I can anybody can coach them, but you get what I had to go through with uh, taking a zero and thirty team and a one and twenty nine team because of my hearing problem. I they were they were, the thirty and old team wouldn't wouldn't hire me, so I had to. But but it was great to me because I had been going through being a uh, handicap for all my years. So I didn't want to. I didn't want to hear anything from these old and thirty people. So that's important to coaching, having to motivate kids that have never done anything before. Yeah, and it's almost like that was your plight in life. I mean, you had a great career, and I think you coached a lot of teams that were not winning. I think you were. You just mentioned you found yourself being attracted to that because you overcome obstacles all your life and and taking on the task of turning a team around, that was your deal. And so I know your own physical limitations and your own story of overcoming obstacles contributed to your desire to help struggling programs. So talk about that connection. Well, after being at Clark Central and some of the other teams I had that weren't 10 and 0, uh, you, you go take somebody that's old and 30, you got to understand a little bit more. Uh, they, but what was happening when when, uh, when Coach Dooley and Coach Russell got me to Harris County, uh, the the town had a parade after we won first ga- won game. Uh, had a parade in town. <laughs> and I thought, well, man, we you know we win two games. <laughs> <laughs> we win two games. They might. Uh, there's no They'll probably have a party at Callaway Gardens somewhere. <laughs> I love and, it. So that's what I was faced with, but it was motivating the kids when they won one game and won two games. They said, hey, this is pretty good. And before we knew it, uh, we had every player in the school wanting to play football. And once we got the school interested in football, uh, they went from 18 players to 40 players. And I had some people to work with then. And, it, you know, that's when we started winning. But when we won four games, the first year, they, the parade and all had again, and the whole town was motivated. Oh, I can imagine. The program was the program was growing over the years because uh, we were winning four games and we were winning six games, and now they uh, they're going to playoffs every year. I, <laughs> Amazing. It's, it's just been it's been fun for me to go from a team like Avondale to a team like Harris County and Henry County. And uh, but anyway, uh, I've enjoyed every bit of it. And you know, uh, a four and sixteen is a winner if they give you the hundred percent and they do the best they can. Yeah, well, I can tell you, I didn't have to be there. I know this is true. Your tenacity about life and living your life and overcoming whatever problems you had inspired them. There is no question you inspired them to 
do the best they could do. No way a human being could be around you without being inspired by just the way you have tackled your issues in life. Uh, I know those guys have never forgotten you. I asked you a personal question. I just realized, I thought about it. Keith Wyndham, I think, played for you at Henry Candidate. Do you remember Keith Wyndham? Yeah, I know him well. He's a good guy. I, I remember him mentioning sometime in the past that he knew you and he thought the world of you. Well, I've got Keith Wyndham, speaking of him, on the line with me. Keith, how you doing? Keith is my wife's first cousin. Keith, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Bruce. How are you? I am wonderful. And I know you played at Henry County for Coach Braswell, right? Absolutely. That was uh, some amazing years with Coach. You've been very successful in life. Why don't you tell everybody what you do? Maybe telling Coach what you do. He may not know. So just talk a little bit about what you're doing my father was one step under the vice president of Delta growing up and ran all the back shops at Delta. Through that, I was able to get into aviation and work my way up through the vice president of GE for about 15 years and recently purchased my dad's company. We, we have a small consulting business that we've grown to what it is today. Well, I know you're doing well, and I know you loved Coach Braswell. What year did you graduate? I graduated in 1985. And you played for him for how many years, folks? Four years or three years? For four years. For four yes, whole years. For four years. Okay. What are things that you remember about Coach Braswell? That's been almost, what, 37, eight years ago when you graduated. Well, Coach was, um, he was a player's coach. Coach always had a way of making it fun, but, but getting his point across. We, we were playing this team um, one time. There was a defensive end. He was running his mouth and, yelling at us and cussing at us and how bad we were. Coach brought us to the sideline. He pointed at me and he said, Keith, he goes, we're getting ready to run a 28 sweep your way. I want you to go shut him up. We're going to do it on the field. So we went out and we ran 28 sweep and I blocked this kid all the way to the sideline and into the stands over the fence. (laughs) (laughs) And and, uh, that kid never returned to the game, nor did we hear any words out of the opposing team the rest of that game. And Coach came back. He goes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's awesome. He surrounded himself with some really good assistant coaches. Mike Reed uh, was, was our offensive line coach uh, that's followed Coach throughout his career. It was just it was the little things that Coach did, you know, win or lose. He would always have some insightful words. You watched him. He obviously couldn't hear, and you watched him overcome that. That had to inspire you on the football field, just knowing what he was doing, right? Oh, absolutely. You had to look directly at Coach. Um, he would. He would. That's. He made it more personal. He'd get in your face. He, he would have a conversation with you eye to eye. Coach did several things I thought was really well. Um, you know, back in the day, you know, before internet or anything, you know, you looked up to your coaches. I mean, that's what we had. You know, we learned from these guys 
you know, our, not only our fathers, but, you know, we, we look at these, these coaches as sort of our second father at times. And um, our coach is no different. I mean, he, he had three or four things that instilled in all of us, I believe, you know, growing up, you know, it was, you know, one was, you know, believe in yourself, have self-confidence, um, you know, work hard every day. You know, we're going to set goals and we're going to achieve those goals. Those were really cool sound bites from coach, you know, every year. You grew a little bit more and, you know, as you got older and became a senior, you started to understand some of these things that he would he would talk about, you know. Um, I'll, I'll never forget a, a, a few coach uh, would, would always say he says look I want you to be smart but I want you to be aggressive he was always a, a, a good supporter I mean he and he went around to, to every individual on that team um, and and picked us up you know from time to time and you know he, he's always saying don't ever let anyone tell you you can't do it You know, being being a deaf and diabetic, uh, overcoming adversity is a big thing with me. And uh, you know, that's the disabilities do not define who I am. That's the that's the that's the main thing. And I've just been working with with me being handicapped all my life. Uh, uh, being uh, coaching with coaching kids with adversities and and this kind of thing, coaching old thirty teams and. That was uh, that was a pleasure to me. You spent your entire life, just at least your adult years, pouring your life into kids. Period. I've got uh, thirty thousand kids that I love nowadays. After after 30, 38 years of coaching, I, I've got thirty thousand kids probably, and I love all of them. Well, you know, at, at the end of the day, that investment in all those kids will be what's more important. It won't be about the kicking. You took the opportunity you were given and use your talents to make a difference in kids' lives, and that is just powerful to me. All these players are my second sons. They, uh, I've had I've had things uh, over the years, you know, where uh, parents got divorced or something, and their, their kids uh, were playing for me, and I took the kids in my house, and they slept with my kids, and... I was the second father for them, and that's what uh, that's what I wanted to do. That's what I didn't want to sell insurance. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to, I wanted to coach and teach kids. Uh, and when you got thirty thousand kids, you, you just you have to you just have to love all of them. And that's I, I just hard to it's hard to explain unless you've been through it. Well, it's amazing. It's amazing, and I know what you're saying is true, Kim. In your retirement, you now moved to Madison to be near your own kids and grandkids. Talk about now the importance of your own family. Talk about them. Well, my my kids uh, are the uh, most important thing in my life, but my kids played for me. My kids uh, cheered for me. I've got... Uh, I've got my grandkids now. We're all, uh, we're all a wonderful family. Well, you're most blessed, and they are blessed. And it's, it's so inspiring. One of the things I think about, Kim, is 
there are people listening to this that certainly may not have hearing impairment. What is your message to them? What is your message to somebody that's lived with adversity all your life? What is your message to people that are facing it now and, and really wondering how they're going to make it? Anybody that's trying to overcome adversities, uh, all I want to say is tough times never last, but tough people do. Hmm. Wow. That is so true. Kim, when it's all said and done, your children and grandchildren, they're going to be listening to this, and some of them who not even born will listen to this. Once this podcast is streaming, it's out there forever. They will hear your voice. They will hear at least part of your story here that we're talking about. Kim, what advice do you have for your grandkids and your great-grandkids? Main thing I I want to say is don't let anything hold you back from accomplishing what you want to accomplish. And I think that's the, the main thing I can say right now. Nothing is impossible, is it? Nothing's impossible. Yeah. Wow, Kim, what a what a story. What an inspiring story. My biggest thing is I wanna be a I wanna be a teacher. And anything that I can help anybody with that needs it, uh, I would love to I'd love to meet them. I'd love to talk to them. Thank you so much for doing this thank you for your book it's very inspiring thank you for taking the time to be with me today you're mighty welcome and uh, anything i can do for you let me know thank you thank you my friend thank you thank you Kristen, for helping us facilitate this well thank you i mean he he was he has been super excited about it i wanted to tell you though funny and um, when he was writing the book he said to me, now listen, Coach Dooley's going to be calling you tonight at 6 o'clock because he's got some questions. And I'm like, oh, no, there's no way I can be talking to Coach Dooley. <laughs> so I had my pen and paper down ready to take notes because I knew I'd be so nervous to talk to him. But it was such a joy to be able to talk to him. I think we talked for 30 or 40 minutes. And and just to hear his view on my dad and things that he did overcome while he was um, there, that was that was a really, really cool time. So it was a big deal to dad for uh, Coach Dooley to be a part of it and to also, um, well, obviously, write us forward. And, and more than that, he was able to spend some time with him before he passed, really. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, the, the other thing that is amazing about this whole story, there's no bigger Georgia football fan than me. Of course, I knew immediately who Kim Braswell was when Luke mentioned him to me. And the interesting thing is, I I never knew that he had a hearing impairment. I didn't know he had diabetes. I just saw him as a great football player. So, Well, now that he's completely deaf, it's really funny because um, people that meet him out and about... Uh, of course, he doesn't meet a stranger, but when when they do meet him, they don't realize he's deaf either. Yeah. Now oh, he's my. so good at reading lips. Um, but it's it's really kind of cool. So other than you know him having to have the extra help when you know we're at the doctor's office or times like this on the phone, um, he he has really you you really wouldn't know. Wow! Thank you so much. Well. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you, and please, um, if there's anything else you need from us, f- please feel free just to call my phone, and we will uh, be good to go. All right, dear. Thank you so much. This is awesome. Viewing life from a herd.
worse, it could be worse. Laugh, think, and cry with the country undertaker.